The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle Up. with Bucky Brooks, <laughs> J.P. Shatter, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything's got to be about the future. It's got to be about tomorrow and bringing all that into focus as we, you know, attack the season. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. And welcome in. It's Wednesday. That's, that means it's time for Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks as we get ready for the AFC Divisional Playoff game. The Jacksonville Jaguars visit the Kansas City Chiefs Saturday, 4.30 kickoff time. Busy show ahead. Yes, it's NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks coming up. Senior writer John Osher is here with me in studio. The Divisional Playoff game. The Jaguars, the number four seed. The Chiefs, the top seed. Well rested. They had the bye week last week. We'll get into the matchup. Of course, and a couple of social media questions as well. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxury, fieldsauto.com. And a couple of events have been announced by the Jaguars and the city of Jacksonville. There will be a watch party at Daly's Place Saturday for the divisional game between the Chiefs and the Jags. There will be a send-off Friday. Uh, that's uh, from 9.30 to 11.30, parking lot J or lot P, and you can uh, say goodbye to the players as they head to Kansas City. You can uh, park there, of course, lot J, lot P again for the watch party Saturday. The gates open at 3.30, kick off at 4.30. Jaguars fever has taken over in the city of Jacksonville, and, of course, it is presented by Farah and Farah and Patron Tequila. Hey, Bucky Brooks is with us now from Los Angeles, and that kind of tells you, Bucky, what the fever pitch is here in Jacksonville for the Jaguars moving on. Man, I like it. I like hearing all this stuff that's going on in Jacksonville. You talk about a send-off, a watch party. The buzz is certainly uh, building about the Jaguars' prospects of, you know, like JP, like if they win, they, they have an opportunity to play for the big one. Like that's crazy. They have an, they're two games away from kind of being in the show, and so – uh, look, it should be a lot of excitement because the way that the team won last Saturday night, uh, I think everyone will forever remember that if you're part of Jaguars history. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I, um, it is, as you go through the playoffs and having covered some playoff runs before, you do sort of have this feeling of after an early round win, all of a sudden you're up and in the division. I guess the one I'd I refer to the most as one Bucky's familiar with, 96, this team. All of a sudden you kind of wake up and you're – it's not a distant dream anymore. Um, you know, it's – you don't have to do that much more than the rest of the league has to do to get there. And, you know, the old cliche, why not us, et cetera, et cetera, really comes into play. And, I, you know, from being around this team, I, I don't think it's really occurred to them that they shouldn't go out and win this game. You know, and there's a little bit of an overtone when you're a lower seed that everybody else thinks that, and sometimes that seeps into the locker room. But uh, Bucky, I, I don't think this team considers itself that much of an underdog. No, I don't think so. And I, I, I think if uh, you go back and you look at the way that they played down the stretch, they've won a bunch of different games in a variety of ways, and so that has certainly given them the confidence that they can find a way to win any game. And then when you think about the comebacks that they have pulled off down the final stretch of the season. Yeah, I, I think they can talk themselves into believing that they can win and they can win on the road in a very, very tough environment. Bucky, I've been uh, floating a theory all week and 
you know, most of my theories aren't right. So uh, I'll ask you who played the ex-player is who I'm asking here, JP. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> you know, my theory when I watched the league and, and from covering the league that teams that have won a lot of games going into situation, especially the NFL playoffs, uh, they're really tough to beat, even if they might be outmatched on paper. Um, there's something with winning in this league that these guys start believing in it, and they're a really tough out when it comes to the postseason. You went through it in 96. Um, does the fact that you haven't lost in a while matter when you're going into a playoff game? Uh, I think so. I mean, I think there's some confidence that comes from each win, just like you lose a little confidence with each loss. Uh, the fact that each win uh, strengthened the bond between the team and Coach Peterson in terms of believing in the things that he says, yeah, there's a lot to be gained. And then when you talk about teams that win, find a way to continue to win once they get into the tournament, uh, it's because they've developed the habits that are conducive to winning. Uh, you know, last week, notwithstanding, Normally, you don't turn the ball over. You don't give up big plays. You find a way to reduce your penalties so you don't give uh, cheap yards or easy opportunities to the opponent. When you do those things, more times than not, you're going to find a way to win games. And so as this team continues to make their march um, under the leadership of Doug Peterson, they are going to understand how to win games, what their way of winning game looks like. And when you start having a couple things go your way, a couple balls bounce your way, yeah, you begin to believe, not that you're necessarily the team of destiny, but at some point you'll find a way to win. And you hear that when you listen to sounds of the game. You hear that when you hear the players mic'd up. The the way that they talk to one another, they never feel like they're out of a game. And so pass off to Doug Peterson for kind of pouring that into the players and for them buying in to what he's been saying. We'll get into the matchup coming up in just a bit, but let's start off with head coach Doug Peterson. And, yes, his history – with Chiefs head coach Andy Reid goes back a long way, and what a battle it should be. Listen, I, I, I owe a lot to Coach Reid, you know, on my career, not only as a player, but as a coach, and, and I still want to pick his brain and, and, and learn. He's been doing this a long time, and he's been, you know, really, really successful, you know, uh, at it. So anything I can learn and take away from him is, uh, is a blessing for me. They started together in the mid-'90s in Green Bay, And, of course, uh, they have followed each other throughout. As when Andy Reid was a head coach, he was an assistant. Uh, he was a player with him. Of course, a couple different stops in uh, Green Bay and in Philadelphia. And uh, there's the comparison on your screen. Uh, Reid's been at it for a long time. Doug Peterson now six seasons as a head coach, each with a Super Bowl win. They, um, you know, they feel a lot alike in terms of personality and the way they approach the game, Bucky. You've you've been around both these guys, so is that is that fair? I think it's a very accurate assessment. Uh, having been around both guys, uh, having played with Doug, having uh, been a player in Green Bay under Andy Reid, yeah, there there are a lot of similarities. Both guys have a, a recipe for winning that uh certainly works and because doug peterson was andy reed's first quarterback in philadelphia uh there's a special connection takes him with him to uh kansas city they they work together they have success um doug goes on to have more success in philadelphia uh bringing uh, a super bowl and so he certainly understands what makes andy reed tick and one of the things that he has certainly been able to take is the preparation process during a bye week well 
Andy Reid is the best in the business of being able to maximize that. I think his record is 27 and four, including the postseason when he's had a buy in the regular or postseason. And so he knows that his former boss is going to have a bunch of wrinkles and tricks and uh, fun stuff for Mike Caldwell to, to get ready for. And so I think he can help him with the preparation process in terms of just knowing how Andy Reid views the game and how Andy Reid will approach this game uh, as it's the first game of their playoff run. Bucky, how similar are they uh, You know, when you really dig down? I mean, I know it's easy to say, as play callers in terms of how they manage a game, aggressiveness, et cetera, I mean, is there a difference that you find? Are they carbon copies? How would you, uh, I guess, differentiate them? Yeah, very similar. Uh, very similar. Both of these guys uh, are similar in terms of, like, their minds. They're brilliant minds when it comes to, uh, how they view offense. I would say that Andy Reid is probably a little more um, willing to build plays into the, the the game plan and package. He has a little more volume than Doug will have. Doug does a great job of uh, showing complexity to the opponent, but keeping it very simple for the quarterback. Andy Reid is going to show complexity, and it's still going to be complex for everybody, <laughs> but they figure out a way to get it done. And so I would say Andy Reid likes to bring more to the game in terms of the big old call sheet. Doug finds a way to kind of keep it simple for the players, but they are creative, they're aggressive, uh, they're not afraid to take chances, and they've won a lot of games with their, I would say, cutting style. We see a lot of that in the red zone, certainly with the Chiefs, uh, Bucky, with uh, intricate, interesting, different play designs, huddle designs, everything that comes with that. He's, he's always looking for an edge. Yeah, always looking for an edge. They, they're, they're going to kind of test you defensively to get lined up right, to handle all the motions and shifts and the different alignments of their main players. Andy Reid does a great job of uh, masking his intentions and trying to find opportunities to create favorable matchups for his best players. But make no mistake, uh, for both teams, the straw that stirs the drink is the quarterback. Pat Mahomes has helped Andy Reid's offense in Kansas City go from really good to outstanding, exceptional, extraordinary, whatever adjective you want to use. And then Doug Peterson has found his franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and you can already see where this offense can go after one year. So it's a lot of fun watching these two square off. You ever seen one of those, um, you know, ring around the huddle things they did the other <laughs> week? Look at this. Can't, can't say that I've seen that, and I would think that when we were back in Green Bay with Mike Holmgren, that would not have been approved. But Andy <laughs> Reid has his own style. He likes uh, keeping it fun. Uh, they've used single-wing formations. They've used all kinds of uh, funny stuff uh, throughout his tenure there. Uh, the one thing that he knows is when you put these kinds of things in, it certainly engages the players. It keeps it light uh, while also allowing them to kind of focus in on the things that they need to do to win a game. So who doesn't like playing in that kind of style of offense? Absolutely. Yeah. Fun I'm, to watch. I'm guessing much like the T formation for the Jags, that's the ring around the huddle is probably a one-off. That might be. I don't think you'll <laughs> see that one again. Hey, let's come back. A quarterback matchup and how they match up against the opposing defense. That's all coming up. Your social media questions in just a little bit. Of course, the Jaguars and the Chiefs in the AFC Divisional Playoff game this Saturday at 4.30 at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Just, you know, our first time being around each other, then just 
for having the first D coordinator, just the whole thing. We just finally found who we are as a um, defense as far as rushing the passer. And I believe it's the four-man front. We, we, it, with Casey, we got to come alive, four-man front. We got to come alive because them guys need help in the back end to cover. So we got to rush four. We got to come with some five. We got to come with some three. Just different, different. We got to throw different things at Patrick Mahomes so we can get turnovers and hit him. That's Arden Key, Jaguars defensive lineman, and welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on a Wednesday ahead of the AFC Divisional Playoff. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier, and Arden Key a big piece of that front. Well, he, he's been huge, and, and I'm wondering from Bucky, who uh, watches a lot of tape, talks to a lot of people, to me, the Jaguars' pass rush combined with Trevor Lawrence's ability to get hot and have sustained scoring, you know, to score two or three drives in a row suddenly. It, when you combine that with the pass rush, I think it's what gives the Jaguars a chance this week. Um, how real is the pressure that they've put on the last six weeks? You've been following me. Sometimes teams get pressure and, you know, they can't really rely on it. But it, it seems to me, Bucky, that in the last six weeks or so, when they have needed pass rush in big situations, uh, uh, typically speaking, most plays quarterbacks have not been able to stand calmly against these guys. Are you reading the same thing? Yeah, no, they've been able to really dial it up, and it's been great to see because early in the year you wonder how the pass rush was going to fare, uh, particularly with some of the struggles that we had early in the season at corner. But the pass rush and the coverage has been connected. They've done a better job of making the plays uh, particularly when they needed to make him down the stretch. We've seen Josh Allen heat up. I mean, look, we've seen uh, everybody kind of jump into this Arden Key and others have their turn creating pressure on the passer. And it's going to be critical for them to be able to do it against Kansas City because ideally what you want to do is you want to sit back in zone. You want to make sure that you play an umbrella coverage to prevent the big plays. You want to force Pat Mahomes to have to really display the discipline and patience to take it down the field without big plays. And then you want to see if you can be really stingy in the red zone. Uh, teams that blitz Pat Mahomes, he continues to make you pay. And so I think you'll see some pressure, but a lot of this will be like Arden Key said, four-man, three-man, uh, maybe some occasional five-man pressure. But it's going to be dependent upon uh, the front line to be able to get it done because that's the only way you want to do it because you don't want to expose your corners in coverage. Yeah, I keep uh, J.P. and Bucky uh, trying to figure out ways. Like what's the Jaguars' path to victory? Because – if both teams play very, very well, the Chiefs probably win because I think they're the you know they're the better team most days these two teams play just because they're more experienced, they've been there. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I say that, I keep going back to that first meeting when Jaguars score three out of seven times past the 50. Yeah, they left a lot out there. That's a lot out there to yeah. be leaving. And mm-hmm. – I know the Chiefs are a great offense, and they are. I, w- I would compare them to the Colts teams I covered where you know they're going to be in the top three every year, and you feel like they're going to score points, big points more often than not. But I kind of have this idea that if the Jaguars just I – mean, the Jaguars made it easy for them oh, yeah. in that game yep. uh, in Kansas City in Week 10, leaving guys wide open because I think at that point uh, – I forget who said it this week, but but uh, one of the players, a coach, they were still figuring stuff out in the back end, and they had some miscommunications, and they were trying to figure out personnel, et cetera. 
I've got to think they're much more buttoned up in the back and that you don't see the easy stuff. I think just in those two phases, I think they'll score more when they get their opportunities, and I think they'll make things tougher on Kansas City. Uh, and you won't see – I don't think you'll see Tony walking into the end zone uncovered. Yeah, on or, one leg. Right. Or, or Kelsey a couple of plays just absolutely left confused. Maybe I'm just overly optimistic, Bucky. No, I think there's been a concerted effort to make sure that they've eliminate uh, they've eliminated some of the problems in coverage, some of the blown assignments, some of the just uh, egregious errors that led to big plays early in the year. And so they don't run as much stuff, meaning the volume of the playbook and the play sheet is pretty pretty small. But they've been very very effective because they master it. And the the, the players have talked about simplicity is giving them an opportunity to really dig deep into what the opponent is doing, which has allowed them to play faster. And the thing that you want from any team, offense and defense, you want to play fast, you want to be fearless, and you want to play at a very, very physical, uh, with a very physical level. So we'll see if the Jaguars defense can get it done because they had an opportunity in that game, not only defensively, but offensively to take the game. The game was right there for the Jaguars to take it. And I think the sense coming out of that game is, man, they just left so many points on the field. We'll see if they can do a better job this time cashing in. Tuttle up with Bucky Brooks. All right, let's flip it around now. Jaguars offense against the Chiefs defense. And let's rewind, though, first to, to last week, Bucky. And why was it so drastic of a change from the first half to the second half for Trevor and the offense? What Was there one thing? Was there a just – what happened? A couple things. Uh, the Chargers did a great job of changing the pitcher pre-snap, post-snap. They would show one thing before the snap. After snap, they would move to something else, meaning they would show man-to-man, press-man. Uh, the Jags would motion. They would drop into a zone, and it confused Trevor. He got fooled a couple times. The second thing that they did in the back end is they were squatting on all of the Jaguars' routes. If you go back and look at the offense throughout the, the course of the season, this has not been a team that has taken a lot of shots down the field. They've manufactured deep balls, but they're not a team that just throws go ball after go ball after go ball to back defenders up. So what you had, you had a bunch of DBs that were sitting at 8 to 12 yards waiting for the Jaguars to get to their break point. And so the coverage was real tight and sticky. And then the final thing in the back end, they did a good job of jamming the middle of the field, dropping a lurker right over the ball maybe at 8 to 10 yards, so all the crossing routes, all the in-breaking routes that have really been a big part of the Jaguars' offense, they negated that. They took that stuff away, and they forced Trevor to throw the ball outside the numbers where they were able to really kind of stymie the receivers. And so it took a while for the Jaguars to catch up to it. And then, to be honest, the Chargers changed what they were doing in the second half, played more soft zones, allowed Trevor to get into his rhythm, and we've seen it. Once number 16 gets into his rhythm, he's as good as any quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah, and the the point you made at the very end is what I'm sort of locked in on this week a little bit. When he's hot, he's as good as there is. You know, and uh, you know, it's sort of obvious when you play that way. But when you start talking about quarterback advantages in this game, yes, for the most part, Mahomes is an advantage. But when Trevor's playing like he is in the second half, nobody has an advantage over this team. And I think that's where that 8.5 spread, if the Jaguars can figure out a way to get them going early, then I think this is an even matchup. Because, And I'm curious about this, Bucky. Um, when I see 
stats like wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, catching touchdown passes. It's been going on all year. Um, mm-hmm. How difficult is this team to defend when you really don't have a go-to guy, but you've got four receivers that he really relies on? To me, as a second-year quarterback, to be as comfortable with every receiver and with ETN, it's rare. He doesn't need a go-to guy right now. No, he doesn't need it. And so I referenced the conversation that I had with Doug Peterson in the offseason where he said, I don't need a bunch of A's. I can get this done with some B's and B pluses on the perimeter. And when you look at the team, we have very good receivers. I don't know if there's uh, an all pro receiver on the perimeter, but they're guys that are very interchangeable and complimentary when they're playing together. And so because they're able to kind of bounce around and play different spots and you can do musical chairs like Doug has talked about in the offseason makes the team very, very difficult to defend because you don't know where the ball is going. Doug can change who the primary receiver is. And when you have that, man, it just keeps the defensive coordinator guessing. And sometimes that plays in the Jaguars' favor. You have to have some smart players to go execute that too, Bucky. I mean, if if all of a sudden they're lined up and they've got to make a change to the line, they can't just run guys all over the field to change. In the, so, hey, you got to learn all these routes if you're a wide receiver. Yeah, and, you know, they talked about that in the offseason. So what he did, one of the advantages of going to get a veteran group is that you can do those things. You can put more information on their plate. Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram. They played a ton of games in this league. And so because they played so much, they're able to handle the volume that Doug Peterson puts on them. They also are able to handle the constant shifting and changing that he's also been able to do. Barky Brooks is at it today. I love it. She's fired up for the, for the playoffs. Man, the, ready. It, it happens every time. The, the gardener shows up out here. It's, it's, it's 125. The gardener shows up every time I'm trying to do the podcast, and Luna is going absolutely crazy. I don't I don't have a gardener, JP. I, yeah, <laughs> no, it, again, it, it, I think it, we've gone through this before. Yeah. Bucky is the only one right. on this show yeah. that has it's, a gardener. It's a, it's, I like how he, he continues to just yeah. sort of twist that with us. It happens. Uh, there's no better time to become a Daily's Place Blue member than right now. Enjoy the best live music around with access to the best seats and amenities, premium parking, and more. Reserve your spot for the 2023 Daily's Place season right now. Email ticketing at boldevents.com or call 904-633-2000. Concert season is coming soon. We're back with social media questions. Let's huddle up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. The difference is, you know, you, you win and you keep going, you lose and you're done. So there's that there's that sense of urgency of just, I mean, I don't want to say it this way, but just the desperation of doing everything you can to win the game, and you feel that on both sides of the ball. And it's that way in the regular season too, but it's just another level just because everybody knows, you know, this is – Especially now we're in the divisional round, we're getting deeper and deeper in this thing. People know what's on the line, and you just—I mean, guys just willing to do whatever it takes to win. And so there's that level of intensity, and you know, you know, you're going to get everybody's best shot. So got to be prepared. And um, I mean, I, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's it's the same game. You know, you play it the same way. Just because it's the playoffs, you don't change what you do. But at the same time, we all know how big of a game it is for for us and for Kansas City and you know everybody. Uh, that's the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, and it's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, along the Jaguars and the Chiefs coming up. Think about this, J.P., and, yeah. and 
This isn't news. This isn't news breaking. All right. This time last year, think about what that kid was talking about. Unreal, right? And what he was going through. And sorry, I banged the table, but you know, baby. Um, it's it's it it's truly unbelievable to think uh, where he and this franchise have come from. Three and fourteen, one and fifteen. Three one fifteen wasn't his, and now they are talking about being one of the last eight teams playing and you've had the home games at this place the last five it's uh you know it, i'm constantly compared to i'm constantly comparing it to to a 96 because you can't have lived through 96 and not feel the comparison but that 96 team was an expansion team with no scars yeah sure. uh, yep. to go from what this was to what it is this fast and to be giving those moments out there um, you know, I'm a jaded old sports writer, but it's special. It's it, it's something I I didn't expect it, couldn't have predicted it, and I would just have fans again remember savor it because no matter how good it is in the future, it'll never be this kind of magic. It's a good point. No, it's special. It's, it's it's special for this team to have come as far as they've come, and I think we can go back and look, man. It could have been so much better, even when you think about the games that we kind of dropped early in the year. But without those losses, those lessons wouldn't have made the team as resilient and as tough as it is right now. And to see the young quarterback grow and develop and do the things that he's been able to do, to see him not only gain the confidence of his teammates, but to kind of become the franchise quarterback that every franchise wants. Like to see him bounce back from the four interception game, I think that is the thing that will take it over the top because now you've had an opportunity to see your quarterback at his lowest and he didn't fall apart. When you think about how many other quarterbacks would have absolutely fallen apart after throwing four interceptions in a a quarter and some change, look, not many guys are built like that. And so what you hope is that Trevor Lawrence not only uses this season uh, as as a springboard, but they're able to kind of take this, bottle it, and it becomes kind of a part of the the yearly thing that we begin to expect. A team that's always in the postseason, a team that always has an opportunity to be one of the last ones standing. When you think about Doug Peterson's mentor, Andy Reid, that's what the Chiefs have. No matter what happens, no matter who comes and goes, because you got the quarterback right and you're able to put the right pieces around him, you always have an opportunity to be the last team standing at the end of the year. That's what Jaguars fans can hope for. That's what the organization certainly wants. Yeah, it, it hit me walking out of that game. Uh, I think we learned more and have more trust of what he is about Trevor Lawrence in that game than if he'd had a 158.3 rating. You know, if he completed every pass and they win from the start, it's great, everybody's happy. But I, I, I absolutely agree with Buck and JP. We've talked about it a little bit this week. Every quarterback is going to have adversity no matter how great they are. I covered Peyton Manning for uh, 10 years, saw him win four MVPs. Uh, I also, within that time, saw him lose playoff games, win playoff games. I, thought him, I saw him throw six picks against the Chargers one night. So I make a lot of mistakes. But you never doubt it after a while. It got to the point where he would make a few mistakes, and there were never any questions after the game because you knew he was Peyton Manning. Uh, and you knew that he would respond and come back and, and play well. and So that, Trevor showing that within that game, um, that's a 23-year-old doing that. Yeah, that's right. It's not a 28-year-old who, who has had a body of work to convince himself that it's going to be okay. 
it's a 23-year-old who's never been through that. And think about this, JP. It was on national TV. Yeah. It was with every eye watching, no, no other game that night. Somewhere in the back of your mind, you've got to be sitting there thinking, well, the entire league's going to think I stink now. Well, if that's a 1 o'clock game, maybe it's a little different. That's prime time season on the line. Got to go get it. It It's remarkable. I've never seen it before. I'm not sure many, many people have. And I think it speaks exactly what Bucky said. This kid now, I, I don't – if there's any doubt before, it's gone. Yeah, he may not have many more adverse situations than he had in the sure first any, half of that game. Uh, there's the, not that many quarterbacks who have. The rest of his career, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's it was record-setting stuff that he was doing in the first quarter, right, <laughs> with three interceptions. And for him to come back from – from that, which is an all-time performance on the wrong end, to an all-time <laughs> performance on the good side of things in one 60-minute period is just incredible. It is incredible. One of the things about a franchise quarterback, they give you hope. They give everybody in the stadium hope that if the ball is in their hands <laughs> the last minute, they're going to find a way to get it done. And so I'm going to try and keep Luna hope. Hey, Luna. <laughs> Luna, I'm trying to keep Luna under control. Because she's she a big would let Trevor us fan. know that, hey, she's also very optimistic that if Trevor Lawrence has the ball at the end of the game, he's going to find a way to get it done. So I think that's the thing that you have, and that's what you've always wanted. And so it's great by the Jaguars that the former number one overall pick can play at that level. But now what you want to see him do is you want to see him go toe-to-toe with Pat Mahomes, who is – look, he's the consensus number one quarterback in the league. If Trevor Lawrence can go toe-to-toe with him, man, you feel great about what you have in the future in Jacksonville. All right, guys, let's come back in a moment. We'll get to social media questions and wrap it up on this Wednesday. If you're ready to join the Jaguars, well, 2023 season ticket deposits are now open. Secure your place in line to select the best seats at the best prices. And they have flexible payment options, of course, and pricing for every budget. So you don't have to miss out next season. And what a schedule it is, by the way. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets and place your deposit and be at the bank for every big play in 2023. Well, the schedule isn't out. The opponents are. And the opponents coming to the bank next year are spectacular. A first-place schedule for the first-place Jaguars. And this is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. We're fortunate. We're very fortunate. We're very fortunate the other night. Uh, That doesn't happen. You know, for five five takeaways or five giveaways, and and come back and win a football game that just does not happen, and that's something that we we address our team a lot uh, about. And you know, I don't want to overemphasize it, but at the same time, they have to understand that uh, the 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 uh, the seriousness of keeping the football and the seriousness of creating takeaways. And you know, our defense has also been you know getting the ball a little bit here too, so that's that's been a bonus for us, but. You know, offensively, uh, we just can't give it away like we've been doing in order to, to win these games, especially now where we're at. Doug Peterson, of course, earlier this week on turnovers, and the Jaguars had five of those on Saturday, four on offense. And welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. Let's take a look outside at the Miller Electric Center. Under construction outside TIAA Bankfield. Nice day out. Nice day. 72 degrees today at practice inside the bank today. Bright sunshine. The Miller Electric Center is scheduled to be open this summer and ready for training camp in uh, late July. It's coming along. Coming quick. Uh, It's going to be great. The team will move in there very, very soon. 
Speaking of weather, it's supposed to be cold, like uh, mid-30s, maybe a chance of snow on Saturday. Light dusting? Yeah, why not? It's not old Indiana uh, weather day is coming back. Yeah, I mean, uh, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be prohibitive, game-changing weather, game-affecting a little bit, but I don't think it'll – it doesn't seem like it's going to dictate – Overhauling game plans. Well, Bucky's Southern California ears just perked up when we said the four-letter word that starts with S, snow. Uh, Let's uh, take a look now at some social media questions. Yes, we put out the cat signal. Here's the best we came up with today at Base Scout XI. I guess that's 11. For the past three weeks, we've seen the Jaguars' defense struggle against routes in the flat, or more specifically, tight ends breaking out on third and short. How do the Jags overcome this habit against Travis, Kelsey, and KC? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think it depends on what, what you're trying to stop. I think some of those things, the Jaguars are willing to concede some of those those balls or, or those throws to the flat because you're trying to take away deeper throws. Uh, one of the things when you're the Jaguars, you're trying to play a little more bend but don't break in the back end, you have to be willing to give up the checkdowns. Um, Unless it's to a, a person that you really is you really fear is dangerous. Like last week, they made sure that Austin Eckler didn't leak out. Wasn't a big factor in the passing game. I think of all things, uh, with Jedrick McKinnon being a factor, you will see the Jaguars maybe clamp down a little more on some of the underneath throws to the backs. Maybe hug up the guys a little tighter on some of those crossing routes. And maybe you take your chances with the Juju Smith-Schuster and some of those other guys getting loose. Remember the first time, uh, Kadarius Tony had a big game. Um, he had just shown up. Uh, you didn't know what he was getting, and he came in immediately and kind of filled the role of, you know, Tyreek Hill and Miko Hartman as their designated speed and big play weapon. And so now that he's gotten your attention, do you take that away and maybe force them to go somewhere else uh, as part of the chess match that you'll see between Mike Caldwell and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy? Yeah, when you're playing great offenses and, and great quarterbacks, which I would say Herbert, uh, Mahomes certainly fit into that category. You can't take everything away. Yeah, and as Buggy said, this team has has been trying to concede a little bit, not give up the big plays, and then counter that with getting, believing that over the course of the game, you're going to get the other team in enough third and longs to have the pass rush be effective, get off the field, break serve, as I like to say. So I, I'm with Bucky. I think some of those third and four, some of those third and short to tight ends, um, you've got to pick your poison a little bit. And it's not a defense or a league right now where you're going to shut everybody out. There has to be some concession. One more social media question today off Twitter. A busy place this week. Of course, after the win at Nick Pope Joy, will this be the most difficult game in Jags playoff history or does the 96 Broncos game still take the cake? Hmm. Well, I'll jump in here, Buck. I, mean, I, I, I don't think the 96 game was the most difficult because they won it. I mean, they've lost some playoff games. So, I mean, I'm being a little facetious there, but, uh, you know, I think you won't know that until you win. Now, the toughest pre-task, yeah, I think this is up there with the Broncos. I think it's my opinion and probably just a, a way of looking at it. I think this is a tougher task than the 96 Broncos in this sense. The 96 Broncos were a great team that had not been that number one seed at home in a while. Uh, that was that team's first 
experience as the number one seed, as protecting it all, playing at home with that sort of pressure. The Chiefs have done this a lot in the last three or four years. This is what they do. They win divisional playoffs as the top seed and get themselves to championship games. It doesn't make them unbeatable. They are not an unbeatable team at home, even with home field advantage. They've lost four or five games in this regime like that. But if you're, if you're asking what's more difficult, uh, this Chiefs team believes in itself and knows how to win this round game, Bucky. Yeah, the, the, the Chiefs know how to do it. And when you're a team that's won, what is it, seven straight division titles, you've been to, what, four consecutive AFC championship games, you won a ton of games under Andy Reid, he has all of that experience. Well, that experience allows you to uh, develop an expertise in how to play these games. And they've won games in a bunch of different ways. And the young quarterback, which is crazy, that Pat Mahomes is only 27 years old, but he is seemingly played in a bunch of these huge games. And so he has a way of being able to bring the team back to kind of be the stabilizing force when things go awry because he can bring them back. And he has played at an MVP level, not only during the regular season, but in Super Bowls. And so it's a tough task for the Jaguars because of all of those things, but it's not uh, insurmountable because the talent is different on the perimeter than it used to be. Tyreek Hill was a major factor in those previous postseasons because you always had to account for where he is. Now, if you're looking at this game, the guys that you have to stop, it starts with dealing with Travis Kelsey. And then it's, okay, do we want to take away the running back or do we want other these other guys? I think it's an easier offense to defend now because you don't have the explosive weapons that you had when Tyreek Hill was also on the perimeter with Travis Kelsey. Well, help me out as we close, Bucky, and I, I look forward to seeing you in Kansas City. Um, as we close, I've been wrestling all week with what's the formula? How does this game have to look for the Jaguars to win it? And, and I believe what I said earlier, I think maybe you're down three at halftime, and then this offense does what it does. It gets hot, gets a lead, shocks them a little bit, and then gets to Mahomes with a pass rush, forces a mistake, and then all of a sudden the game's sort of over before they have a chance to come back. What's your path? How do you see this game going if the Jaguars are, are going to go win it? Uh, I think for the Jaguars to win it, they need to be within striking distance at halftime. I think you have to play this one where uh, obviously a 27-0 deficit is not <laughs> going to be in no. the cards. Uh, I think it has to be one where the offense really is going to have to click. When you look at the way the Bengals beat them last year, offensively they kind of went up and down the field. And then the Kansas City Chiefs um, helped them by making some bonehead errors a season ago. You need the quarterback to kind of bail you out with some turnovers, meaning Patrick Mahomes has to turn it over a couple of times because you're going to need those extra possessions to kind of stretch out the lead. But this is a winnable game, and I think people have to understand that, look, the Kansas City Chiefs played a tight game against the Houston Texans. And so I would look heavily into that film and try and figure out what the Texans do to keep the ball in front, to allow them to stay in this. The Jaguars certainly have more firepower, but I think there's certainly a blueprint uh, for them to do it. I think it's been, but don't break into 20s and win the red zone efficiency battle, meaning give up field goals, not touchdowns, and score touchdowns, not settle for field goals. They do that. I think the, the Jaguars can go on the road and win a game that not, not many people are going to say that they have a chance to win. There you have it. There's the path to victory for John and Bucky. That'll do it for this week. Bucky, safe travels. We'll talk to you. 
That's right. We're going to the championship game, JP. We're going to the championship game. Is it a lock? Oh, we're going. We're going. We're going to Cincinnati or Buffalo, wherever it is. That's where we're going next week. Wow. Okay. He's locked it. It's in. The lock is in for Bucky Brooks. Uh, That's John Osher. I'm JP Shadrick. Thanks to our entire crew, of course, Brent Reber, David Cho, Joe Fortunato. The Duval Divisional Watch Party announced it Saturday at Daly's Place. Lots open at 3. Gate 1 opens at 3.30. The game kickoff, 4.30. Reserve your free seats at Jaguars.com. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network.